Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. Good morning. It's great to see you. It's so good to be back together once again. Aren't you thankful that we can be Back together in live worship, Uh, it's exciting to be together with one another and to be together in His presence. And we're so thankful that you are with us today, and we welcome those who are joining us online this morning as well. Uh, A number of you asked me uh, before the service started about Pastor Luke and other staff who have been dealing with the virus recently, and I want to give you an update on them. They are doing very well, fortunately. Uh, They had very mild cases, and they are recovering and doing great, and they are just finishing out their period of quarantine and will be back in circulation with us very soon. So we're excited about that. And certainly they thank you for your concern and your support and uh, prayerfully remembering them uh, during this time. And we look forward to them rejoining us very, very soon. Well, uh, today, this week, we are beginning a brand new series in Psalm 139. uh, And it's called uh, From a Mess to a Miracle. I love that title. And uh, today, we are actually going to be talking about moving from hope, uh, from despair to hope. Aren't you thankful that we get to go from despair to hope? And today, as we talk about living in this time of desperation, in a period of desperation, I think that's something that all of us uh, can relate to. Life certainly has a funny way of playing itself out. There are certain days uh, in which uh, uh, we have a pretty good day and our ride goes well. There are a few bumps along the way, uh, but uh, it's sort of like riding on a fluffy cloud, just sort of floating along and things are going very, very well. Some days are like that. And then there are those other days. Those days when there's a huge bump Here and there and there and there. Just one huge bump after another. One blind curve after another. A deep dip in the road. All kinds of unexpected blows along the way. Wham, wham, wham. And lots of days recently in our lives, particularly over the past year or so, have seemed like that. We just have to deal with so many difficult and unexpected things along the way. And particularly in King David's life, his life was very similar to that. It was sort of like riding a bucking bronco. In fact, for King David, his life was one long perpetual rodeo. (laughs) That's really what his life was. From a very young boy, I'm thinking like, 10 or 12 years old, he was tending his father's sheep, and he had to go hand-to-hand battling lions and bears. I mean, he had to fight off lions and bears and kill them with his bare hands. That's pretty serious stuff. And then, as he's just coming out of adolescence, 
he goes into hand-to-hand combat with a Philistine giant named Goliath and also battles him face-to-face and kills him with his bare hands. And then right after that, the king at the time, Saul, King Saul, gets upset with him, I think, out of pride and jealousy. And because of that, puts a bounty on his head and in his young adult years for months and months and months, goes on the run for his life and is a fugitive from justice. And throughout the wilderness of Angedi, he is on the run for his life in caves and mountains and is literally fleeing to stay alive. And then a few years later, he becomes a military general and becomes king of Israel and leads these battles against all these pagan nations who are out to get Israel And again, is in a fight for his life, and he is constantly in these bitter battles, fighting for his land, for his country, and for his people. And in all of these bitter battles, he is losing people who are very dear to his heart, very close friends, family members, and many good soldiers. So David Uh, certainly can identify with what we're talking about, living in times of desperation. And you and I can certainly identify with David as well. And so David, out of this experience of desperation, writes this psalm, Psalm 139. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of poetry, and music is set to it, in fact, And he's recounting the majesty and sovereignty of God. And in these verses, he's talking about this awesome God of ours who's all-wise and ever-present. But if that is true, if this God of ours is all-wise and ever-present, then that begs a question. If that's true, why are we in the shape we're in? David had to ask himself that question, and today, you and I would have to ask that question. Today, in 2021, and 2020 that we've just come through, if that's true of our God, then why are we still in the shape we're in today? If this wonderful, marvelous, majestic God of ours turns night into day, why does it still at times seems so dark for us. If he is always with us, if he is constantly present, why is it at times that we feel so lonely? And if this God of ours is always winning, and if we're on his side, and we're always on the winning side, why does it at times feel as though We're losing. (laughs) And there's a question that you and I are going to come back to as Pastor Luke leads us through this series over and over again. We're going to constantly deal with this question. What does faith look like when life falls apart? We'll address that over and over again. What do you do? Where do you turn? What happens? How do you respond in these moments of desperation? How do you keep going in the midst of confusion and chaos and misunderstanding? When you're in the trenches, folks, 
Faith has to become an intentional choice. It becomes an intentional decision to continue to place your trust in God. It's very important for us to understand today. It is an intentional decision to put your trust in him. See, the development of, of faith is not an easy task. It certainly is not something for wimps today. <laughs> it takes work. It requires initiative. You see, it requires discipline and intentional action. When your faith is tested, and notice I said when, not if. <laughs> when your faith goes through the fire, when it is tested, there are always two options. There are always two deals that are available, two deals on the table. And deal number one is the one, unfortunately, that most people go for. And that's the deal of despair. In this past year, many people have picked that one. Despair is the complete loss or absence of hope. And unfortunately, a lot of folks say, well, that's the one I'll take. The complete loss or absence of hope. But don't, don't pick so quickly because there's a second deal available that the Lord is offering for all of us today. And deal number two is hope. Hope is an expectant trust in God. <laughs> and that's the one that we want to really focus in on today. And this is always a good idea. Hope is always the best deal. And it's always a wonderful idea. And this is why. Because this awesome, majestic, wonderful God that David is talking about, he cares about you. He cares about us. God really does care about us. Let's take a look at the text this morning in Psalm 139, starting in verse 13. David writes, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Marvelous words from David. And I want you to notice in these verses that David makes some definite conscious decisions. He makes some intentional choices here. In verse 13, he acknowledges God's presence and he acknowledges that God knew of him from the very beginning. Even before he showed up on the earth, God knew of David while he was still in his mother's womb. That's really cool. <laughs> he knows, God knows and understands your heart. He really does. In the Hebrew, in verse 13, it's rendered, for you have possessed my reins. It's like you're holding my reins. You have possessed my reins. And Charles Spurgeon understood that to mean that God is the owner of our innermost thoughts and possessions. 
Wow. Think about that for a moment. This means that God dwells among, he understands, and he possesses my innermost self. I want to make sure we caught that. God dwells in, understands, and possesses my innermost self. Really? And he still wants to be around me? (laughs) He still tolerates me? And he knows all that? He knows my innermost thoughts, my innermost bitterness that harbors deep down in there, my innermost inhibitions, and he still loves me? Absolutely. He still pursues me? He still chases after me? And you? Yes. (laughs) Yes. He knows all of that, and he still treasures you and longs to have you as his very own. That is utterly amazing. Also, I want you to notice that David chose to praise God for what he had done. We see that in verse 14. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God created you on purpose and for a purpose. Dr. Whedon writes, God showed favor and honor and fearful distinction in his creation of mankind. Friend, I want you to realize that you have a specific design. You have a specific purpose. God knew exactly what he was doing and he had a plan inlaid in your being when he created you. And, uh, He has laid out your purpose. Um, Your wise, tender creator knew exactly what he was doing. (laughs) There are certain areas of talent and giftedness in your life that he wants to use to bring a blessing to others that he also wants to use in you to bring others to himself. David acknowledged that. And we should too. And then I also see in verses 15 and 16 that David chose to humbly submit and surrender to God's plan. We're never hidden from God. He knows us. He sees us. And all of our days are ordained by him before one of them ever came to be. The God of the universe has laid his hands on you. He has blessed and set apart every moment of your life. When you and I come to fully understand that, we have no trouble submitting to a God like that. It was Paul, the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, 28, who told us that we know that all things... Uh, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. Jesus understood the value and impact of this principle because on the final night of his earthly life, just before he headed to the cross, we see him in the Garden of Gethsemane with his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and they're praying. And Jesus leaves them to go over and pray for a bit longer. And this is what he says to them. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. There was hopefulness 
in those words of Jesus. And I'm telling you, it was true then and it's true now. Hope is the only foundation. Hope is the only thing that is strong enough to keep us standing in the midst of suffering. And exactly what is hope? You remember our definition? We touched on it earlier. Hope is an expectant trust in God and his promises. <laughs> an expectant trust in God and his promises to us. And just as David was very careful to make some conscious, active decisions in Psalm 139 to keep his faith alive, we need to do the same thing today. We today this morning, this week, need to make some active, conscious decisions that will help us, some intentional choices that will keep our faith and hope active and alive. What are those? I want to offer you three active steps, three action steps. Number one, seek Him. These are very simple. It's not rocket science. Seek him. In Psalm 119, uh, again, David wrote some beautiful words. Uh, a small group that Cindy and I have the privilege of leading called the Barnabas Group is currently in a study of Psalm 119. Uh, some wonderful truth here. And we find these words. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. <laughs> wow. So step number one is to seek him with all of your heart. When you're really interested in learning or pursuing about something or pursuing something, you really need to seek it out, whether it's a bird or maybe it's a deer that you're hunting, guys. And something like binoculars really help you to seek that out a little bit better, right? So you can see the bird a little better or you can see that deer and exactly what he's doing. Uh, you can look at him from afar, but binoculars are a tool that help you to seek it out much, much better. I would suggest to you that the Word of God is a great binocular tool to seek the Lord with all of your heart. And I would encourage you to use it in seeking him. Some great places to start even this week would be this psalm that we're talking about this morning, 139. Another one would be the one I just read from, Psalm 119. Psalm 19 is another great one. The Gospel of John uh, is a great place. But use his word as binoculars into the life of Jesus to seek him out with all of your heart. I challenge you to begin seeking him and spending time in his word this week. Action step number two, receive from him. Open yourself up to him. In Psalm four, this is another Psalm of David. 
Psalm 4, David was seeking him and opening himself to him. Listen to these words in Psalm 4, verse 1. Answer me when I call you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. David is hurting and he needs to hear from God. Listen to verse 6. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. Lord, we need help. We need to see you. We need you to respond. And then verse 7, Psalm 4, 7. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. At last, God responds and fills David's heart. Why was God able to fill David's heart? Because he was seeking him and he opened his heart and life to him. The only way you can receive is to open yourself to him and to have your bucket ready to receive from him. You know, I think one of the reasons a lot of people are not receiving what God has for them is that they don't have their bucket out. They're not ready to receive. I hear this a lot. Pastor Keith, I'm so dry. I'm not getting anything. I'm just so dry. Are you sure you got your bucket out? Where is your bucket, in fact? (laughs) Do you know where it is? Well, it's out there in the barn somewhere. It's up under the table or under the bed somewhere. Well, that may be a good reason as to why you're not being filled. You have to be open. You see... In this season, particularly in the last year, I think a lot of people are walking around like this. They're all closed off. That could be why you're not receiving from the Lord. We've been talking a lot about opening up these days, haven't we? (laughs) Opening up church. I'm so glad we've been open for a while, but uh, we've been talking about opening up stores, opening up schools opening up travel and airlines and that kind of thing. Maybe what we really need to be talking about opening up is ourselves. Maybe we're the ones who need to be opening up our hearts and our hands and our lives. When we open up ourselves, that's when we can really receive from him. Martha Snell Nicholson wrote a piece years and years ago called Treasures, and it's always been really special to me. Let me share a portion of that with you. One by one, God took them from me, all the things I valued most, till I was empty-handed. Every glittering toy was lost. So I traveled earth's highway grieving in my rags and poverty. And I lifted my hands toward heaven and he filled them with the store of his own transcendent riches till they could contain no more. And at last I comprehended with my stupid mind and dull, God cannot pour his riches into hands already full. (laughs) You have to empty yourself out and open up and be ready for God to fill you.
And so I encourage you, step number two, receive from him. And then there's a third action step. And that is very simply rest, rest in him. Just rest in him. Also Psalm 4, your father wants to give you so much more than just resources that we've been talking about. Blessing, prosperity, security, yes, but he longs to give you so much more than that. He, he doesn't want you to worry and fret over security and safety and retirement and those kind of things, but he wants to give you more than that. He wants to give you contentment and peace and rest. Psalm 4, 8, verse 8, I will lie down, David said, and sleep in peace, for you alone, O oh Lord, will cause me to dwell in safety. <laughs> wow. He wants us desperately to rest in him. And so I encourage you to take that step number three and just cuddle up and rest in him today. He wants you to rest in him. Simple steps. Receive. Seek. And rest. Very simple steps. Not rocket science. Very simple. Seek, receive, rest. Britain's Derek Redmond had dreamed all his life of winning a gold medal in the 400 meter race. And that dream was about to become a reality for him as the gun sounded in the 1992 Barcelona Olympic Games. He was so excited. The gun sounded and he started off in the 400 meter race. He was running the race of his life. And he could see the finish line as he rounded that last turn and he headed for home to break the tape, and then it happened. He felt a sharp pain in his leg. It ran all the way up the back of his leg, and he fell face first onto the track with a torn right hamstring. Sports Illustrated recorded the dramatic events. As the medical attendants were approaching, Redmond fought to his feet. Later, he would say, it was animal instinct. He set out hopping in a crazed attempt to make his way to the finish line. When he reached the stretch, a large man in a t-shirt bolted out of the stands, knocked aside a security guard, and made his way onto the track. It was Jim Redman, Derek's dad. You don't have to do this, he shouted. Derek said, yes, I do, weeping. Well, said his dad, then we're going to finish it together. And they did. Fighting off several security guards, Derek's head buried in his father's shoulder. They stayed in Derek's lane all the way to the end as the crowd gasped and rose to their feet 
and clapped and wept. Derek Redmond did not walk away with a gold medal that day. But he did walk away with an incredible memory of a father who had seen his son in pain, left the comfort of his stand to come and help him finish the race. That is exactly what our God does for us. <laughs> he sees us experiencing pain and struggling to finish our race. And we can be confident that he's not going to allow us to do it alone. He left his place in heaven to come alongside us through his son, Jesus, to help us finish the race. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And here's the cool thing about that. The cool thing is, it didn't just happen through Jesus, his son. The father still today is busting up out of heaven every day to come and be with us and help us so we don't have to do this alone. So you don't have to worry and fret over how you're going to make it through today or tomorrow, how you're going to face that diagnosis or how you're going to deal with retirement or this situation that you've got on your hands, whatever it might be. <laughs> no, the Father is leaving His throne to come and walk with you and carry you, if that has to be, so you don't have to do this alone. And folks, let me tell you, don't insult the Father by trying to do this by yourself. Allow Him to walk with you and to carry you and help you finish the race today. <laughs> you don't have to do this alone. He's going to go with you the rest of the way. One thing is for sure. The Father's love remains and it never fails. It remains. This morning, if you need help, help is here in the form of the Father and His love exhibited through Jesus. Whatever you need, it is here. You need someone to pray with you, I'll be here at the front. There are others here this morning who would love to pray with you. We are here. And we'd love to pray with you. Father, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you that your love never fails. Thank you that you are chomping at the bit to bust out of heaven just for us. <laughs> we praise you for that. We thank you that your love remains. Your love remains. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.